Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. How's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle Podcast. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 144. I hope all of you are having a fantastic week out there in Drumland. We're having a great week over here at the Drum Shuffle World Headquarters. We have a great episode for you today. I am going to be joined by Dave Potter right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined by the great Dave Potter here in just a second. Uh, Dave uh, has just such a great attitude and he has done so so much great playing over the years. Um, He's kind of a young cat, so some of you may not be familiar with him, but uh, you're going to learn a lot in this interview. But I want to give everybody a heads up. If you don't already have a copy of Dave Potter's Retro Groove, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go get a copy of it. It is absolutely fantastic. You know, I get all kinds of new music um, from drummers, uh, you know, for me to listen to before I do interviews and whatnot. And I typically listen, you know, three or four times so I can get an idea of of what the project is about. Um, But Dave's Retro Groove record has been in constant rotation since I received it. It's that good. Um, It's a very unique take um, on some of these classic songs. And as I mentioned to him, you can go one of two ways. It's either going to be elevator music or it's going to be just completely badass. And Dave has achieved completely badass. You need a copy of this record. It's fantastic. And uh, I just had such a great time talking to him. Can't wait to catch up on the next go round when we have him back for part two. Uh, you're going to love this cat. Please help me welcome to the Drum Shuffle podcast, Dave Potter. Good evening, Dave. How's it going, man? It's going pretty good. It's going very good. Excellent. Oh, yeah, man. Well, hey, thanks for taking time to come on the Drum Shuffle podcast. I appreciate it. Uh, how, How are things in Hotlanta tonight? Uh, they are, they are true to the, the, the nickname of the city. It's, it's pretty hot here. I had to get the AC cranking, um, at the end of March. Um, and it's already had to 
bob and weave through some wasps <laughs> uh, coming into my, my door this afternoon. So, you know, it's it's summertime has arrived down here. Well, you know, I'm just right up the road from you in central Kentucky. And we had, you know, like 78 degrees yesterday uh, at the end of March, like you said. And today it's like 45. So we are oh. not, <laughs> we're not in summertime yet, but it, it, being from the South, man, I, I don't know about you, but it's like now, you know, when I was a kid, it wasn't this way, but now we have summer and winter. There's no in between, yeah. you know, it's, it's like hot or cold. There's no in between, um, which is interesting to me. But anyway, uh, thanks for taking time to come on the show and talk a little bit to us. Uh, I appreciate the time, man. Oh, it's, it's, it's truly a pleasure and an honor of blessing for me to, to be here with you. So thank you, man. I appreciate it. So let's do this, you know, as is my tradition here on the show, let's start at the very beginning. Where did you grow up and how did you get into drumming? Do you come from a musical family? Uh, no, not at all. Actually. Um, I was born in a, a little tiny, teeny, tiny town called, uh, Danville, Virginia, which is right over the border, uh, of North Carolina. And then when I was two, uh, we moved to Durham, North Carolina. And that's kind of where I, you know, grew up as they say. And, um, I had, uh, so no professional musicians at all in my immediate or even like close family. I actually recently found out that on my mom's side and, and, and her family is uh, Mexican-American, there were some uh, cats that played in bands uh, in like the teens and 20s and 30s, but I didn't know anything about them and neither did she. Um now, the one good thing, she played the flute in the marching band, but she had already stopped by the time I uh, got into music. But she did force me to play uh, in the band, okay, which good. I did not want to at all. <laughs> yeah, that's how I it had, usually goes. You either really yeah. want it or you don't want it at all. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I did not want it at all. I mean, I, I was a, a little hard-headed uh juvenile delinquent in training at that point <laughs> and i think she wanted you know me to be more well-rounded have some type of outlet for my creative side in the arts and i chose it's kind of weird how all that stuff works out you know with you know fate and kismet and, and all of that because I chose the drums because I thought it would be uh, the easiest to learn. I was being as lazy as possible. <laughs> and oddly enough, there was, I don't know if it was like this for you and, and band, but there used to be like a certain number of slots for each instrument. Um, and they did that to make it so like there weren't a hundred saxophone players and one, yeah. you know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, clarinetist. Sure. So I was the last there was somebody else that had a drum spot and they, they dropped band and I got the last drum spot in the band. So that that's kind of, again, crazy, you know, if you want to go back to, to fate and all that stuff. So that's, that's what I originally, that's how I started playing the drums. Okay. I got gotcha. you. So, so it was really, you know, if you grew up in North Carolina, you know, that's that's one state over from me, basically. Yeah, there it's different because when I talk to cats that are like from, you know, up north, like New York or, or, you know, Massachusetts or whatever, I'm like, well, was it marching band? And they're like, oh, no, we didn't have any marching band. We had uh -huh. we had pep band at hockey games, <laughs> you yeah, know, because wow. yeah. it's different in, in the north. There's not really a marching season, you know, yeah. so. I'm guessing you grew up doing like the marching band for football games, right? Um, so yes and no. Um, we had a, we had a pep band for the basketball games and then we, the, 
the high school that that I went to, and that's when when I really started, you know, really started playing like the drums. Um, there, it was a magnet school, and there was no football team. There's every other sport but football. Okay, and so I was in the concert, like the wind ensemble. And, and, and then that was before I didn't even get a, a drum set until going into my sophomore year of high school. So we did that. And then I saw, I mean, I was aware of other high schools, marching bands, but I, I got hip to, um, like the DCI stuff Okay. and me and some of the, the other guys in the percussion section, um, we actually started a just a drum line you know we we didn't have the full marching band but we just we just really dug the whole rudimental um marching percussion you know side of things and we started working on that stuff and um and that's so they're they're in, in kind of a weird way yes that that was kind of the first stuff i was doing is concert and kind of rudimental percussion. I gotcha. Okay. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you went to Florida State, right? Yes, sir. Okay. All right. So now were you, when you went to Florida State, did you go to the music program? Was that kind of what sent you to Florida State or were you a a business major? I I guess is the question. (laughs) No. uh, Yeah, it was definitely, it was straight music for me. Okay. Um, I had my junior year, uh, we got a new band director who was actually a jazz trumpet player and he went to Florida state. Okay. Um, and so when I found out that he knew jazz, I was just getting into playing jazz. I was, you know, the first stuff I was into was actually like funk and rock and, and then, through that, there was this guy uh, who played drums in his church, and he was really big into Dennis Chambers. That was like his guy. I got you. And I would watch him play. Like in the band room, we had a drum set, and I couldn't do anything on the drum set. And he would get up there before and after school, and he would just be for like a fifteen-year-old. He was he was wailing to me. And uh, and I would just stand in Marvel, and I was like, man, how did you learn all that stuff? And he was like, oh, you know, Dennis Chambers. He would always say Dennis Chambers. And he let me borrow his, uh, I think the company was DCI also. They had those videos. There was Serious Moves and um, In the Pocket. Oh man, uh, it was the I, same company that had the Dave Weckl yeah, videos. Yeah, man, I know exa- I know the exact video you're talking about. It was Dennis Chambers on that Pearl Kit, just yep. laying down yep. some stank face, yes. funk grooves. Oh yeah, on that video, and that'll that'll melt your brain as a oh, sixteen year old kid. Oh yeah, so I'm I'm checking that out, and uh, and one of the cool things that happened. Uh, was the the guy on the video is interviewing Dennis in between one of those little sessions, and he's asking him about who he checked out. And Dennis starts by naming, you know, like Billy Cobham and mm-hmm. um, Narada Michael Walden and, and, and guys that I was familiar with because I was starting to get through him. But then he started talking about people like Tony Williams and Elvin Jones and you know, uh, Philly Joe Jones and Art Blakey. And I had no idea who in the hell any of those guys were. (laughs) And, uh, so I was like, well, you know, in my mind I'm thinking, and I, I didn't have a a drum teacher. Um, I didn't have a drum teacher until I got to college. Actually, I'm thinking, uh, well, if, if he's listening to them and he sounds like that, then I need to go listen to them too and figure out what they're doing. (laughs) Right on. And I got, uh, Tony Williams, um, I got Tony Williams record, uh, lifetime. And then I also got the, this, this live record he did with miles Davis, uh, four and more. And that one in particular was so mind boggling to me because I had never heard anybody play like real jazz before. 
And not only was he playing this very foreign style of music, but he had such a technical proficiency on the instrument and he, everything he played was so clean and so well articulated. Um, and the way that he organized everything, it was, I mean, it was truly another, I just didn't understand it. And I had never experienced that before where, I mean, it's stuff that Dennis Chambers will play where I just be like, I can't technically play that. Um, but I understood what it was rooted in with Tony's thing. I just, it, I, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't play it. I couldn't even fathom it. And that pissed me off actually. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so, you know, when I found out that the new band director was a jazz guy, I just was hassling him, you know, te- teach me something about jazz. And, uh, and he, uh, eventually, you know, um, realized that I was serious and had me start listening to records and, through him, that's how I got introduced to Florida State. And I, I auditioned at a bunch of different schools, and but ended up uh, going, taking it down to uh, Tallahassee. I got gotcha. you. Well, I mean, look, if you're going to, and I'm going down a rabbit hole here, so bear with me if you don't. Oh, mind. let's go. Okay, let's go. So, I'm buckled up. Okay, so you know, some of I think some of the best lessons any musician, whether you're a drummer, a guitar player, a a trombonist, I don't care what instrument you play, but when you go to a teacher like your band director who was a jazz guy and you say, hey, I'm serious, I want to learn about this, some of the best lessons you can get aren't lessons, they're go buy this record, right? Mm -hmm. That advice, that's some of the best stuff that can come out of a lesson is when you ask a teacher, Hey man, I'm serious. I want to learn about this. And they say, okay, never mind, you know, what the, what the notation is or whatever the case may be. They just say, go mm-hmm. buy this record and listen to it and you'll get yep. it. And that's the roots. So you went off to Tallahassee to Florida state and, you know, Lots of good stuff, I'm assuming, was learned down there in the jazz world. I'm not a jazz guy myself. I love jazz music. Can't play uh-huh. it to save my life. I'm a, rock, <laughs> I'm a rock and roll dude all the way. If it doesn't have a backbeat, I'm lost. You know, so yeah. um, I know that you were chosen coming out of Florida State to be a member of um, the Louis Armstrong quintet at the university of new orleans and that was right around the time of of hurricane katrina and you weren't you ended up not being able to go there am i getting that right well i yeah i did i went there for about two months um i went there in the summer and then katrina hit in august and i uh it flooded um where where i was staying i mean and i lost i lost one of my kids i lost some of my transcriptions i lost you know all the material stuff that that was not in my car i had one of my kids in my car and my symbols luckily and a, a few changes of clothes because everybody thought that it was just going to be like a you know a scare and it ended up being you know what it was yeah um so, yeah, um, I was really looking forward to that because there's so many great drummers. I mean, New Orleans just has, I mean, the first drum set players were from New Orleans. Yes. You know, they were those early jazz guys that were kind of, okay, well, before, you know, one guy or, or a girl was playing the snare drum, somebody was playing the bass drum, and then they, you know, they're like, okay, well, what if can one person play all that? Well, let's come up with a foot pedal. Okay. Now you have the first drum set, you know, and, uh, and all that history. And I was, you know, people like Shannon Powell and, uh, Herlin Riley and, and Jason Marsalis, who I ended up later studying with and playing in his, his band for many years. Um, and Troy Davis. I mean, there's tons of, I mean, uh, just killing, um, John Ricky Sebastian. I mean, uh, so many guys I can't even name, 
um, from that from that city that I was really looking forward to. But alas, it was it was not meant to be. Yeah. Well, and you ended up. I and look, you know, I don't know the story, so so color it in however you want. Um, uh-huh. But you ended up awarded a full scholarship to Juilliard for their jazz yeah. program, but you decided New York wasn't the place for you, and you ended up going back to Florida State where you got your master's degree. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after, after Katrina happened, I went back to North Carolina and kind of just regrouped. And I didn't even know if I was, I I was thinking at first I might want to go back to New Orleans, but it was just, it was such a mess, um, down there. It was kind of unlivable down there for like a year. I mean, there were, I mean, there was so much destruction and, um, just a lot going on. And I actually taught at my old high school for a year and a half, which was a great experience for me. And I actually really miss that now, um, working with, working with the kids and, you know, doing marching percussion, doing percussion ensemble, beginning percussion, working with the jazz guys. Um, it was a really cool experience, but then I, you know, I, I knew I needed to, to keep, um, learning and, and working on my craft. And, um, yeah, I got into Juilliard, but, uh, it was a combination of, of New York just being, even with the, the scholarship covering the tuition and stuff, the, the living <laughs> cost of living in New York. Is well, just, well I mean, yeah, man, know. it's a studio apartment, you know, with like one of the fold down Murphy beds is like three grand a month or right. something. I mean, it's stupid. And then that alongside, you know, at that time there were, uh, you know, it's, uh, there were some, some people that were involved with that program that let's just say that the, uh, I didn't think my best interest was was in mind there and and kind of honestly the way that I got treated uh throughout the application and audition process was was pretty jive you know I kind of was getting treated like a number and um you know that that's that was the, my vibe with with some of these you know bigger quote unquote fancier programs is it's it's almost like um you know you need us we don't need you and i'm i'm not looking for anybody to to kiss my butt or anything but at least treat me you know like a human being that's 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 worth something and and i knew at florida state just from my previous experience that at least the the professors there cared about me and cared about my development as a, as a person, not just as a player. And that along with the fact that an amazing piano player, uh, Marcus Roberts, who played with Wynton Marsalis and has his own band trio for years and years and years has been successful. Um, he, he started working there too. Um, so that just added more ammunition for me to want to go back down there and, and really put in some serious work. I got you. Okay. Well, I mean, that all makes sense. And you have to make the best decision for you. You know what? Yeah. If something doesn't feel right, it probably ain't uh-huh. right. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's got to feel right too. Um, you know, so so kudos to you for, for choosing to do that. But, you know, you, you um, explored higher education, got your master's degree from Florida State and you know, you mentioned it earlier. You you played with with Jason Marsalis, um, you know, for many years, and you went all over the world. I mean, it just just looking at you know some of the places you've played, um, you know, Austria, Spain, uh, Switzerland, Greece, Italy, China, Australia. I, I mean, dude, it's crazy. You've been all over the world playing drums. Yeah, I've been very lucky and fortunate to to have those opportunities i mean a lot of those places uh i don't even i mean a plane ticket to australia <laughs> <laughs> i i mean it's just that's like 
that's like two months of my, my mortgage. Um, so that's something that if it wouldn't have been for music, I know for a fact that I, I wouldn't have had those opportunities to get to go to all those different places. And, um, that's one of the, the great things about it. This, you know, the, the additional rewarding things is, you know, you, you put in all of this time and energy and you sit in a little room and you drive yourself crazy trying to master these, these minute details of an art form. And then when, when you get the payoff, you know, it, it, it's very rewarding. And I just, you know, over my, my career is as frustrating as it is sometimes when things don't work out the way that I've wanted them to. Um, I really try to, when I get those experiences, kind of try to, you know, sit back and, and, uh, take some mental pictures and, and really appreciate those experiences when they happen, because, you know, they are special and, um, not everybody gets to do that. And even, you know, especially we, we all found out over the, the last two years that it can all get taken away, you know, it, yeah. with the, you know, snap of the finger. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah it's, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, look, everybody, <clears throat> you know, and, and again, I'm going down another rabbit hole here, so bear with me, but oh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's, Look, I've got a day gig. I've had a day gig for, you know, 20 something years. You know, I work work in finance Uh and, you know, it it affords me a decent living. So I haven't been, you know, necessarily a starving musician for most of my adult life, you know, um, Uh which is great. But, you know, you get used to the extra income that comes from gigging and doing sessions and things like that. And then all of a sudden you have something like COVID, a a global health pandemic that basically shuts all of that down. You got to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? And I I know that like for you touring with, with Jason, um, you know, that, that all kind of came to an end at the end of 2019, you know, and, yeah. and it was like, okay, what, what's next? <laughs> so, yeah. So how did you spend the last two years, you know, since, since touring with Jason, you know, you, you haven't really done a lot during the pandemic. Um, and we'll, we'll start talking about retro groove here in just a second, oh, yeah. but, yeah. but how did you, you know, from the, the touring income and that goes away how have you spent the last couple of years? Uh, good question. And, and I also, um, and this, this is something that, uh, that I actually am proud to say. I also too have a day job and have had a day job, um, for almost 14 years. Um, and that's probably surprising. Well, maybe surprising <laughs> to hear. Maybe if people don't like my plane, it's not surprising. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, when I got out of, of my master's degree, um, I moved to Atlanta and that was right in the, the middle of the, um, the, the recession. I can't, the, the financial crisis. And, uh, there just was not nearly the amount of work that, that I was expecting. I was banking on. I mean, I would drive up from Tallahassee to Atlanta, um, all the time and I, and, and do a lot of work there. And there's, there was, and still are a lot of great players here. And I was thinking, you know, this would be a great spot for me to kind of have a home base. And, uh, there's just a lot of work dried up and I kind of had, I I saw two options. Um, at that moment I said, I can either do a bunch of gigs that I don't want to do and run the risk of be becoming burnout because I'm somebody, I just know this about myself. If I'm playing music, a lot of music that I don't believe in with people that, that don't care about it. Um, 
I'm going to end up being a very dark individual and yeah. I'm going to start that I'm going to start losing the passion that I have to play um, music in the first place, which the inspiration for me was never fortune and glory. It was always, I just love playing the music. I love playing the music for people. And the other option is get a day job and then I can pick and choose whatever music I want to play. And that's what I decided to do. And so over the pandemic, um, I was able to work remotely and it was actually awesome because they're not awesome. I mean, the, everything was going on in the world was terrible. Let me codify that. Um, it was awesome from a practicing standpoint because there were no gigs and I actually was able to redo my entire kind of technique over that time. Um, and I found a teacher that I started studying with this guy named Gary Le Francois, who's an old school and you probably get pissed off if I say that, <laughs> but he's an, he's, he's, he, he has that old school technical foundation, you know, coming out of, you know, people like Joe Morello and George Lawrence stone. And he studied with Freddie Gruber and, um, he just understands how the body works in relation to the instrument. And I've always been looking for that. You know, my whole, my whole musical life, I've been looking for a teacher that knows that style and that, that way of playing the instrument, that very tension free kind of just following the rebound and all of that. And and I was able to take, like a a good year where I hardly was playing any gigs at all and just really retool my entire approach. And it was amazing for me in that regard. So, so a lot of wood shedding is, is what I'm hearing. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Well, so I think there's a, there's a fine line and, you know, or a bright line, I should say, not a fine line, but a bright line. A lot of people just, you know, when the pandemic started, it was just like, okay, I'm shutting down. I, I don't have gigs. I'm going to Netflix and chill. <laughs> or yeah. I'm going to lock myself in the practice space and come out a badass. And it sounds like you chose the latter. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Good for you, Dave, man. That's that's awesome. You, I mean, that's what you love to hear. So I, I know that it was kind of during that time, you know, 2020, 2021, that, you know, the whole, uh, you know, the seeds were germinating for retro groove, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, so it, it actually started a little bit before that. Um, probably the first time I got the, so I, I put my very first record out in 2017 over the summer of 2017 and then once you know every record you know i i i'm uh i'm uh self-aware enough to know that i didn't i didn't have like another thriller on my hands so i knew it wasn't going to be three (laughs) years of world tours associated with that and platinum record sales so um you know once that record had kind of run its course you know, we I, I had toured it for a little bit. I had gotten a little bit of radio airplay and, and kind of squeezed all the juice out of that. You know, then it was like, okay, what what is going to be the next thing? Because that's, you know, c- kind of, you know, the, the, the life that, that we choose. It's like, you know, you, you got to keep moving forward and, and do something, do, do the next thing. And I, I started thinking about, how, you know, the record I did, I was really happy with my first record. I got a lot of the people that I had played with, Jason's on it, Marcus Roberts is on it, and the guys that I played with, with Jason, some of the other guys that I really like to play with. And it was originals and a, and a few arrangements that I had. And then for the second record, I was like, I don't really want to do that again. because, And it's not because I didn't like it or I don't you know, feel that, that there's a place for that. But 
I, I started thinking about what that's not really going to move move the needle at all. You know, I don't even though I played with Jason Marsalis, my last name isn't Marsalis. Yeah. You know, um I don't I'm not a a household name in music or drums. And I started thinking about like what what is something what is a concept that I could try to exploit that that hasn't really maybe been um fully dealt with before or dealt with to a, a great extent. And then you know, I started thinking just about, you know, songs because, you know, and that that's the impetus for the whole record, uh, the new record is, you know, people would come up from time to time and say, hey, I, I like what y'all are doing, but I don't really know any of these, these quote unquote jazz standards or these songs. I don't know John Coltrane's music. I don't know Thelonious Monk's music. You know, you guys are playing these songs that you know, but we don't know them, and I don't know the melody of them, and I don't really understand where they came from. And that always kind of put a little bug in my ear about, is it possible to pick some popular tunes that people do know, but play them in a way that's not going to be corny, or that's not going to be just a version of instrumental pop or almost like a smooth jazz thing. And, you know, uh, the first tune that uh, I, I, I realized I could do that with is the first cut is the tune Through the Fire that Shaka Khan did. Um, and that song, the chord changes of that song are the same chord changes in the verse, at least, as Charlie Parker's confirmation. Um, and I realized, I'm like, okay, well, those are, that's a jazz song's chord progression already in this. So even though it it's, the arrangement is drastically different and the groove is different on Shaka Khan's version, there's already the foundation of things that I can manipulate to make this a jazz arrangement and, and really be, be true to the, the jazz tradition and how we operate in, in, in terms of a language and an improvisatory conversational, um, conception. So, um, and then, more and more, it came from there, and I worked, you know, that one in particular, I worked with uh, the saxophonist, Miguel Alvarado. He helped me out, especially with a lot of the harmonic concepts, because unlike, you know, somebody we were talking about earlier, like a drummer like Daphnis Prieto, I am I am not good on the piano. <laughs> I am a, uh, I'm, I'm doing stuff. Uh, it, it takes all the energy I have to try to voice chords and stuff, and Brother, let me tell you so, something. I can barely play the drums. So you, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm, I'm doing so, well to be, you know, halfway decent at, at my chosen instrument, let alone somebody else's instrument, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I feel that way often. So we recorded the music in October of 2019. And I was planning on releasing it in the summer of 2020, and then all hell broke loose. Yeah. And during that time of the pandemic, my plane had changed so much that I decided to re-record a bunch of stuff because I don't know about you, but I I have always had a real hard time listening to my own plane. Oh yeah. And you know when i the 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 farther it is removed from stuff i have played and and hopefully as as i get better it's almost like unlistenable to me i just i can't it drives me crazy i won't even let like my wife put on stuff that i played on that's older cuz i'm like no that's terrible get 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 that away from me <laughs> um so I, I we went you, back man. and re <laughs> <laughs> i hear you we went back and re-recorded stuff in 
this past October of 2021, and that's the majority of what's on the the record that that you have that that's out now gotcha. is um pretty much this mostly the same arrangements with some minor tweaks and twists, but with with a new a, a new version of it because yeah it it just so much had changed in, in in my own plan that I just felt like it didn't really do it justice to to put out that older stuff and and frankly I just knew I could do a lot better with my with my part I got you. Well, you know, I mean, the the band that I played in, it was still playing in. You know, I mean, we 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 don't do as much as we once did because we all have families and you know things going yeah. on. But yeah. you know, we released our first record in '98, and we decided in you know late 2018 to do kind of like a 20th anniversary remix sort of oh, sort that's of thing. Cool. You know, like we we just made the decision that. If it's not on the tape, we're not redoing anything, right? We're not going to do any overdubs. We're not going to, you know, we'll remix, remaster. And that made it a little bit better to me. But, you know, that that record, you know, I listened to it for 20 years and went, Jesus Christ, what was I thinking? And it was was just so hard for me to, to sit there and go, yeah, man, I was 21. You know, like, like yeah. I've learned a lot of stuff since I was 21 years old. Right. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it, it's kind of hard to listen to stuff for, you know, 15, 20 years and go, man, man, I, it's, it's hard for me to. <laughs> so I get what you're saying. But the idea behind, you know, Retro Groove, um, wh- which the record came out, you know, I, I want to say like what, the 22nd of March, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, fresh it's, off the, yeah, fresh, fresh off the, the, off the truck. Um, you know, it's been out a couple of weeks now. I've listened to it, you know, four or five times. And when I first heard about the concept of the record, I was like, I don't know, man, a jazz version of, Cult of Personality by Living Color. Uh-huh. That man, it, it may be. I just before I heard it, I thought this is either going to be incredible or it's going to be elevator music. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, yeah, I, yeah. like I thought there's one of two ways this can go. Um, so when I saw the track listing before I'd ever you know dropped the needle, so to speak, on it, yeah, I, I was like, it, this is either going to be incredible. Or it's going to be Muzak, you know, like the yeah. the, <laughs> the easy oh, listening, yeah. Yeah, smooth yeah, jazz no. stuff. And so when I put it on for the first time, you know, I, I went in with an open mind, but I knew it was going to go one of two ways. And some of these songs that are on this record are just uh, classic stuff, you know, stuff, you know, Higher Love by Steve Winwood, uh, In Your Eyes, Peter Gabriel. Yeah. When I listened to it, I was like, holy crap, man, Dave has figured this out. This is this is incredible. And I'm not just saying that. I, you know, I'm not I'm not just patting you on the back. This is a really good record, man. It's oh, thank you. It's really, really good. So I'm curious. It sounds so good. Where did you actually do the recording? Uh, we did it. And it's it. This is one of those other things that's, that that kind of just worked out. Um, uh, so the you know the tunes from the record are from from the eighties, and um, you're a couple years based off of doing the math in my head when you're talking about ninety eight. You're 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 a couple years older than me. You're my brother's age, so I was listening to all of the stuff that he was listening to, and that you know the MTV was big in our house and. You know, that's kind of where the, the 80s was the one, the decade that I chose to really pull this stuff from. And oddly enough, uh, the saxophone player, Miguel Alvarado, lives in Nashville now. And there's a studio called County Q Studios that was built in the 80s. And it has, like, that vibe in there. It's It's not, it's not, 
like ultra modern and really pretty, like a lot of the studios now. It just has that kind of like work, like you go in there to put in some work. Yeah. You know, and, um, and, and, and the engineer, um, uh, he's, he's a cool cat, uh, ace. Uh, and he, uh, he really just, when I told him the idea, he was really open-minded. He was like, all right, let's, let's, let's try to capture that. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I re- I love, you know, I loved putting it down there. And, and I, I think, um, all, all the, the stars align for us to get a good capture in there. Well, I mean, the record sounds incredible. I mean, I, I mean, I'll just tell you straight up, it sounds great. And, you know, it's, like you said, you didn't want this to just be like a, a smooth jazz, you know, Kenny G kind of record. Oh, no. And, and, oh, no, no, no. And it's absolutely not that. Okay. I can hear the grit in it. You know what I mean? Like, like you, yeah. you did what you were trying to accomplish in that you got the, um, I don't want to say it sounds 80s because it doesn't. It's not overproduced for sure, mm-hmm. but I can hear the grit in it. And, and I, yeah. I know what you were going for with it. And, you know, I, I grew up a hard rock, heavy metal guy. So when I saw Cult of Personality, obviously that's going to be the first thing I listened to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Like Living Color is one of the greatest bands of all time in my opinion. Agreed. Agreed. You know, those brothers had it figured out like oh yes it was just perfect and it was such a you know a political statement in the late 80s for for you know for black men to put out this record like we're hard rockers we have something to say it was so modern and so incredible so that was going to be the first thing i listened to and when i did i was like oh yeah yeah dave's got this figured out here you know, so, <laughs> and then I went back and, and listened to, you know, What a Fool Believes, great, you know, Kenny Loggins song and, and you know, Higher Love by Steve Winwood. And, and, you know, I mentioned earlier, In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel. It's just so good, man. So good. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's, it's just, you accomplished, I think, what you set out to do. So, so I'm saying right now, Everybody should go pick up a copy of Dave Potter and Retro Groove. You're going to love it. I promise. Thank you. Yeah, Thank man, you. for sure. So, yeah, Living Color, I mean, that, then into that grit, I mean, that's like, you know, jazz at its roots. I mean, and, and a lot of stuff came out of jazz. I mean, rock and roll is a cousin to jazz music. I mean, if you listen to those first rock records with Chuck Berry and Little Richard and even even like uh, Bill Haley and, and the Comets Rock Around the Clock, you can hear those drummers are swinging. Oh, yeah, they were um, all jazz dudes. I mean, it was, yeah, they were that. So that having the blues and 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 I wanted it, I mean, my the the music that speaks to me has a certain visceral quality to it. Even the jazz that I like. Yes. Um, it, you know, that the same thing that, that I like about living color is that energy is there. Like in, for example, the music of John Coltrane, you know, it's very much, um, this, this raw emotion and it has that grit and it's not, it's, it's the opposite of anything smooth. You know, it's real, it's real life. It's, you know, it's happiness, sadness, you know, frustration, triumph, you know, uh, heartbreak, all of that mixed into one. And it's, it's kind of just cooking. And that's, that's definitely what I wanted the the record to to convey is is all, all of these human emotions that we go through in our lives um and so i'm glad that 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 came out 
It it absolutely did. And miss, mission accomplished, sir. I, I will just say that. And, you know, after listening to, you know, I, I want to say there's, um, I don't know, nine or 10 tracks on the record. Yeah, I, I don't, yeah I don't have it yeah, right in front of it. me right this second. But of the songs, I got to tell you, man, the one that I think you guys absolutely knocked out of the park, nailed it to the floor, killed it is the Peter Gabriel song, In Your Eyes. Oh, okay. That's not what I was going to think. That's not what I was thinking you were going to say. No, man, but, I, um, I'm telling cool. you right now, that is, first of all, you know, I, and I've had this conversation on this show, I don't know how many times, <laughs> a good song doesn't care who sings it or how you play it. It's going to be a great song, no matter what, whether it's, you know, yeah. a, a singer-songwriter solo acoustic guitar kind of thing or a big band. It doesn't matter how it's presented. It's going to be a great song. And I think yeah. you guys absolutely drilled that one, hit it out of the park. It's just brilliant. So good. Oh, that's good to hear. Cause that, that, that one in particular was probably the one that I was most concerned about because it it's such a it's such an iconic song you know when you think about the movie say anything and you know then it was parodied in Deadpool where he's holding his phone with the little you know boombox app over yeah. over his head um and you know that it's it's such a like a beautiful and haunting song uh, as a lot of Peter Gabriel's music is. And um, that's the one that I was concerned, can, can I get enough grit and enough, will I have enough jazz in that to, to really fit the rest of the record? Um, I didn't want that one to feel out of place. And so I'm glad that, that you dug that and that came across because yes, yeah, straddling the, the fence with this whole record, you know, some songs, uh, were easier to, to find that balance between honoring the songwriters, the uh, original uh, vision of the song with, you know, bringing it into a, a jazz, uh, conception and that one. So yeah, that one was the toughest one. So I'm glad that, 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 that came off. It's, it's brilliant, man. It's so good. So good. So, so congratulations to you. Um, Thank you. so let me ask this, I, I, you know, obviously I got, you know, the, the MP3s basically, you know, that, that, yeah. that's what I got to listen to, to kind of preview it before we did our interview. Um, uh, is it available in physical format? You know, can you get it yeah. on CD and vinyl and all that good stuff? Yes, uh, definitely CD. Um, you can get it on my website, uh, davepottermusic.com and then Amazon, should have physical CDs, okay. and then of course I always carry a a uh, a a large amount at shows um, to give. Um, and I've thought about I really, especially given the fact that of the subject matter on the record, I really was thinking about pressing some vinyls and. I wrestled a lot with that. It's so expensive to to do the vinyl thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, and uh, I still might do like a limited vinyl release of it. Um, I kind of wanted to see what the initial reception of it was um, before I, I do that. But that that is something that that I've continued to think about. Um, you know, given given what the what what the catalog and what the um the the, the playlist of the, this record is, 
Yeah. Well, man, it's, it's incredible. So, I mean, I think, you know, it's, dude, it's so hard for people to make money on music. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, it's almost impossible if you're not doing, you know, 200 nights a year or someplace on tour. Um, So I always encourage my listener, if you can find this in a physical format, if you can order the CD from Dave's website, that's going to help Dave the most. You know, like going out and streaming it on Spotify a million times isn't going to be as good as buying 500 CDs from Dave, probably. Yeah. Monetarily. Oh, no, it's it's crazy. I don't know if you know this. Somebody somebody hit me to this like uh, recently. I think unless they've changed it, one of the more recent like um, formulas for it was like every 40,000 and I may be wrong that that may be not current anymore, but every 40,000 streams of a song on Spotify, I think earns the artist about $10. Yes. I mean that, that that's the case and nobody knows what that algorithm is. And yeah, you know, I look when, you know, Peter Frampton, okay goes and testifies in front of Congress and says, you know, baby, I love your way was downloaded 32 million times last year. And I got a check for $1,200. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I don't know what that math works out to be, but, but it's very true. People don't understand how hard it is for the modern musician when they put out a record as good as retro groove is, you know, you, you know, you said earlier, your first record that you put out in 2017, you were like, I knew there wasn't going to be any platinum sales. I'm a realist, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody has platinum sales now. That's true. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Nobody has platinum sales unless you're, I, you know, I don't know, Billy Eilish or, or the Foo Fighters yeah, or, or like that. You, you know, you're going to have to be at the, the top of the mountain to sell a million copies of anything. You know, one of my favorite artists, um, you know, of the last decade or so is Jason Isbell. And, yeah. you know, his, his record, Southeastern, um, that he put out, I want to say it was 2013. It's one of my all time favorite records, period bar none, you know, I think it has gone gold now after nine, nine years. And wow. Yeah. So it's just impossible to sell a million copies of anything now. So I I always tell my listeners buy a physical copy, then rip it to MP3s. If that's what you want to do, Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's not that hard. Help, help a brother out. (laughs) buy a physical copy so for sure man well so what else do you have going on i know you've been doing some dates with uh with greg tardy right you've been doing some touring with greg really awesome uh amazing tennis saxophone player um played in elvin jones band um for several years in the in the 90s and then he actually got a record contract with impulse and has done a a bunch of dates since. So I'm actually met him on an airplane. Uh, when I was in college, my, my group in college got invited to play at the North sea jazz festival over in Holland. And that was actually my first time going overseas. And he was playing with a, a great pianist named Andrew Hill. And we were playing one of his compositions, uh, Greg's compositions and um, I asked him you know if he would come and play on it with us if he was free and I thought there's no way in the world that this guy you know is a world class guy is going to play with some college kids and to my surprise he said what time are y'all playing and it was in the <laughs> afternoon he said yeah I'll come I'll come by you know and he came by and he played played it with us and uh, since then you know that was about 16 years ago, um, we've, we stayed in touch and, and recently, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, 
done he's he's called me for some stuff and we just did a a five day residency and a, a re- video recording of of some really awesome and challenging music um that he played so I'm really excited about that and then just um you know freelancing in Atlanta freelancing in the southeast um you know kind of wh- wherever I get the call um to do it um, doing some teaching at um, various, you know, clinics. And, and last year I was up in the uh, Pacific Northwest and did some, some teaching out there and some master classes. And that's something I really love to do um, is teach. And hopefully I can give back some of the the stuff that I've picked up over the years and, um that's really one of my favorite things is to be able to share, you know, whatever information and knowledge that I've, that I've gleaned, um, in my, in my time and then pass that on. Awesome, man. Well, that's fantastic, Dave. You know, I, first of all, I want to say thanks for taking time to do this. I really do appreciate it. Um, you know, I love the record. I hope everybody will pick up a copy of it. It just hit the streets uh, 10 days ago, something like that. Um, yeah. You know, at the time we're recording this, I think this episode will probably be out, you know, first or second week of April. Um, so make sure you go get a copy of Dave Potter and Retro Groove. It's such a good record. Um, and, and man, I mean this sincerely. We will have you back to do this uh, again anytime you want. I, I think this oh, is thank you. so great. Um, but good luck to you. Let us know how we can help. We will make sure we have uh, a link to your website up on the drumshuffle.com uh, by the time this episode gets out. Um, it, how can people most easily reach out to you if they have questions or they want to see where you're going to be? Is it going to be davepottermusic.com? Is that the easiest way to find you? Yeah, davepottermusic.com. And then I'm uh, the, the begrudgingly so I have all the social media stuff and I say that <laughs> I say that tongue in cheek. Uh, I think there are some really awesome things about social media in terms of being able to connect with people all over the world. I think there's some really terrible things about social media and how it has allowed people to be cruel to each other and have no, um, no consequences for it. But it's 2022 and I realize you know that's that's the way of the world now so I am on uh Instagram I am on Twitter I am on Facebook um so if that's folks preferred uh way to communicate and reach out uh we'll be happy to respond there and again also from uh davepottermusic.com you know, I'm I'm happy to to answer any questions, um, talk about the music. You know, however however folks want to um, to to reach out, I'm I'm happy to respond. Excellent, man. Well, listen, Dave. Thanks so much for taking time to do this. I really do appreciate it. Best of luck to you, and we're gonna send some folks your way. We'll do this again uh, whenever you want, brother. Thank you so much, Jamie. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. And uh, thanks for doing what you do and, and, and having a platform for us to talk about this stuff. Yeah, for sure, man. I Hopefully we'll keep it going for another five or six years. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, yes, Lord, sir. Lord willing, as they Lord say willing. here yes. in the yes, South. That's, that's right. <laughs> All right. Yep. D- Dave, have a good evening, man. Okay. Take care. You too. All right. See ya. All right, guys and girls, that is going to do it for episode 144 of the Drum Shuffle podcast. As always, thanks uh, to Dave Potter for taking time out of his schedule to come on the show and talk with us. Uh, And and as I do each and every episode, I want to thank each and every one of you for listening in. We simply cannot do this show without all of you doing so week in and week out. Our sincere gratitude. If you want to help the show, the biggest thing you can do for us is to share a link with a friend. 
uh, whatever platform you're using to listen in to the Drum Shuffle podcast, leave us a star rating, a review, a thumbs up, whatever applies to your specific uh, scenario. Uh, please do that. It helps us tremendously and we can't thank you enough. Next week, I'm going to be joined by our old friend, the always effervescent Bernie Dressel is going to be joining us. Um, Bernie is just the cat's pajamas. Cannot wait for you guys to hear the interview with him coming up next week. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss that interview. We answer every single email that we get here at the Drum Shuffle podcast that address is the drum shuffle podcast at gmail.com. Our web address is the drum And of course, you can always find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. As always, your homework assignment for this week go out and see some live music if it is safe for you to do so before it all goes away. So until next time, may your head stay strong. And your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. <laughs>